Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. This is episode 233 of The Sausage Factory. In this episode, I talk to returning guest Teresa Duringer of Templegate Games about their digital conversion of deck builder card game, Sides of Infinity. Teresa's been on twice before. Uh, let's see, episode 33 and episode 140. First it was Cannon Brawl, and then it was Race to the Galaxy. Uh, and that was a conversion of a of a card game as well. And then we're back to Sides of Infinity, which is an awesome deck builder. Highly recommend it if you like if you like analog games. But this week on Kane and Rinse, we have Final Fantasy X. Oh, yes, taking on the mighty Final Fantasy X. Almost done, aren't they? They've only got let's see, it's got eleven. No, don't need to bother with eleven because that's a MMO. It no longer exists, I think. Are we wrong? And then we've got 12, they've got the 12, was basically like an MMO. Then they got 13, and then they got 15. So there's three after this, and they're done. Impressive work. Anyway, then we have Sound of Play on Wednesdays, where we celebrate the scores, musical scores, of video games. Then on Thursdays, Fridays? Fridays is the Sausage Factory, which you listen to now. <laughs> on, on Thursdays, we have Playwright, where two people called Ryan invent games based on the ideas sent to them by their listeners and it's excellent you should check it out if you want to know more about Cane and Rinse you can you can pop along to com, where you can find blog posts features previews reviews and an active forum yes I know an active forum in 2019 who'd have thunk it but it does exist we also have a Twitch channel where currently we have two regular shows we have on Thursday evenings we have HMS Cane and Rinse where myself Dan Gargate and Carl Moon, and sometimes Tony Atkins, if we can manage it, um, to actually you know, sail the seven seas, or not the seven seas, the Caribbean, and a mythical Caribbean filled with with, with skeletons. That's about it, really. Um, we, we sail uh, on Sea of Thieves, that's what we're basically streaming on Thursday nights at 9pm, British summertime. Then on 8pm, on British summertime, on <laughs> Sundays, we do a variety show. Uh, that's me hosting a show for an hour. From 8pm to 9pm on the Sunday. Um, we just basically play a random game on a random platform. Sometimes we link it to the Kane and Rinse episode. But this week we haven't. Because you know it's Final Fantasy X. What's the point of streaming that for an hour? There isn't. So it'll be probably something else. If you want to chuck us some coin. And have gratitude for our output. You can. You, you can do this by actually um, subscribing to the Patreon subscription service thing that we have going and if you throw us one dollar a month that's one US dollar a month just one minimum 
then you actually get access to all sorts of extra goodies, including extended editions of Kanerman's, and also get that one week early. Also, especially monthly podcasts released by Jay and Leon, the founders of Kanerman's, and also access to the platform specials that we do. We've done uh, PlayStation, uh, we've done Game Boy, we've also done the original Xbox. The original Xbox has not been released to the public yet, and I'm ready to listen to it right now. And you can subscribe to the Patreon, so by all means do so. Now, if you just rather sort of throw us a tip, you can via PayPal as well. So, yes, um, yep, sorry, subscribe to Patreon, and but if you want to suck us one or two tips, it's fine, we love that too, then you can via PayPal. Anyway, that's enough about me. Now, let's uh, pass over to my past self, where I tip to Teresa about the digital conversion of a card game that is Sides of Infinity. Take it away, past me. Teresa! Hi. Who are you, and what do you do? Um, well, I'm Teresa Derringer, and I um, am a digital board game adapter. So I work at Temple Gates Games, and we take board games that we love, and we turn them into apps for um, your Android, iOS, PC, um, sometimes VR, uh, all kinds of different platforms so that you can take the game with you in your pocket or play it with people that live far away from you. Um, yeah, and 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 primarily, I do a lot of design around that and some coding too. Um, yeah. Yes. Now, Teresa, so normally, as you know, maybe maybe you can't remember, but um, we normally ask you, how do you just start making video games and that sort of thing? But this is quite relevant because Teresa's been on twice before. Everyone, she's been on episode thirty-three and episode one hundred and forty. First episode was for Cannon Brawl. Excellent sort of little RTS, 2D RTS game. Fantastic. I highly recommend it. Then uh, in episode 140 was the uh, digital version of Race for the Galaxy, which was mm-hmm. uh, an excellent fun. And uh, we had the designer of it on, on, on that show. It's a really, really fun show. Highly recommend it if you dig that out in the archives. But here, we're going to be talking about Shards of Infinity this week, uh, this, this time, this week, this episode, episode 233. So before we delve into that, I do have to ask you this question because I'm just curious. What are you playing right now, Teresa? Um, board game wise, I have been playing quite a bit of Res Arcana, which is. Have you played that one? Yes. Now, oh, are, it's you, so are, good. are you one of those people like my cards? I'm good. What you're not going to put in? No. I, these cards are fine. <laughs> I've only got two cards. How are you going to do anything with that? I'm fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm not greedy. But we yeah. need ten. You need ten points. I'll get them. I'll get them. Yeah. Oh, so, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, you you go for it. Sorry, I, I jumped in there. You describe <laughs> you describe Reza Khanna to audience. Come well, on. you make you make such a good point. Um, so, well, I guess uh, stepping back, bigger picture, what is Reza Khanna? Reza yeah. Khanna is um, a role choosing game. A little bit, you're kind of a l- little bit like um, San Juan, um, where you're choosing what role you're going to be during the round. And um, I think it's two to four players. And um, on your, yeah, you're trying to make up to 10 points, I believe it is. I could be getting some of this wrong. It's 10 I don't want to miss Yeah. Uh, getting 10 points in the game. And you're doing that by trying to build up a little engine. And it is, uh, yeah, so I suppose it's an engine builder game. And you're going to be playing cards that give you little abilities to either, um, let's see, get more resources, 
um, or make victory points. Um, and it's all built around this like magical theme. Um, it's sort of like playing potions and spells and stuff like that. And what I actually love about it is the constraint. You you have a very uh, every player has a unique sort of deck of cards. It's randomly assigned, and each player has to try to figure out how to build an engine with a subset of those cards. And there's not that many cards. You only have uh, what is it like seven or something? Yeah, seven cards. Normally you you draft actually, so you can build a. Deck. Oh yeah, I don't yeah, think I've been playing that way. No, yeah, yeah. drafting's <laughs> way, way more intense because then you end up with what I described. I've got two cards. So you're gonna sort that? Yeah. Is that oh it? my gosh. Yeah, yeah. This stop. <laughs> got this little engine guy. Okay. Oh, yeah, even more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I do like the randomness of like there is something you know. It's designed by the same designer who did Race for the Galaxy, and if you've played Race for the Galaxy. There is this sort of like reaction you have to do as a player. You're reacting to what's in your hand and what can you do with it at this moment rather than creating this big giant plan and then sort of like setting the pieces into play like you would with a game like Dominion or Agricola where it's a lot more planned out at the beginning. And so, you know, because I haven't been doing the drafting variant of res arcana i'm sort of doing that reactive thing of like okay here's my seven cards what can i possibly do as they come up for me but i actually really like that the discipline and kind of like restraint of you know you probably only even want to be playing with like maybe five of those cards maybe four of those cards i mean they're they're quite expensive to play so you have to like really try to find some kind of um um synergies that are going to sing within those cards and and really double down on it just you know rather than just play everything yeah. i like that a lot it's uh, hard to find though i think it's actually like sold out pretty much everywhere um oh. I, I happily yeah. got a copy because i know a particular shop near me that uh, not many people know sells games they do there's a great cult board game cafe called ludicrist in south mm. london highly recommend it and um they do great food there, but he sells some games as well. Like I got my copy of Wingspan from there. I know. Oh, right? did you? Yeah, oh, that's the one I'm waiting on. <laughs> exactly. It's like, wait, what? How did you? I just walked in. But you've got a copy. Okay, fine. <laughs> and then he said, "Oh yeah, yeah, this is a fixed copy because it's a second edition because they had to fix some of the cards. Even better. Oh, they already have a second edition. They do. That's yeah. quick. There wow. Is, yeah, there's uh, there's some errors in the cards. Oh, okay. That's what you're gonna do? But yeah, yeah. Especially that one. Whoa. Anyway. Where's O'Connor? Good choice. I love this beautiful game. Artwork is great. Um, mm-hmm. I actually got it with a booster pack because you can actually change the artwork and some of the other wizards or the players. <laughs> you need, so you can actually be male or female, which is nice. Oh, um, cool. So, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and it's a new publisher. It's it's yeah. a Tom Lehman game, but it's by Sandcastle Games. Maybe that's um, why it's hard to find. It's their, really, um, really hard to find. I mean, I was just yeah. really happy. That I, I played it at a, at a con uh, about 1 a.m. Don't ask. And I was like, yeah, this this is this is good. It was after a game of Terraforming Mars as well, which is probably not a good idea. But uh... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, well, they're both uh, great engine building games, and yeah. I got a chance to check out Wingspan just this week for the first time, which I've been, you know, it's been on on my list because um, that one is also very hard to come by. It yeah, seems like it's, it's the good ones are always like that. It's, well, not always, but yeah, but yeah. Um, did you like it? 
I did. I loved it. I thought it was, um, again, kind of that engine builder style of game, yeah. which is just right up my alley, terraforming Mars, Resurcana, Race and of course, the Galaxy. Of these, I mean, you know, terraforming is coming over to the digital version. Um, yeah. And uh, Raiders of the, the, the Norse Raiders, I think it was the North. You know, they did um, like the architects, and there's a whole raft of like series of games they made about Vikings. Um, oh. And uh, one, I actually played one at PAX East. It was really well implemented. Really good mm. worker placement game, and they did a mm-hmm. really good job. And I think it's a lovely sort of transition. And uh, we're going to delve a little bit more into that moment. Any, any anything else you're playing? Um, I've been getting into Gloomhaven. I feel like a little bit behind the yeah. behind the trend on that one, um, and it's really cool. I have a hard time. I have a really hard time with co-op games. Oh, right. So I'm struggling with with that a little bit. And you have to co-op with uh, Gloomhaven. You do, yes. You really, really do. I mean, the the fact that your initiative going, when are you going? Uh, Medium? Sure. Right. Upper reaches of medium? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So when are you going? Well, I'm probably going over there. Are you going to block that door? (laughs) No. You're going to block the door, aren't you? No, I'm not. (laughs) That's exactly the problem. I think, I think that I just, when you have a game like Gloomhaven or a, a game that's co-op, and there's some sort of like gentlemen or gentlewomen's agreement about like how much you're going to divulge about yeah. your turn because yeah. it's going to affect everyone else and it's going to make the game easier or harder if yeah. you divulge more or less, and then people get kind of slidey around that. Yeah when the going gets tough and they divulge a little bit more information, but everyone's okay with it because there isn't, isn't really an incentive for any of the players to push back on it unless they're just jerks like me. Um, then, then it feels a little bit like, I don't know. It's so hard for me when you can kind of just make the game easier just by having less discipline about it. I like the rigor when I like it when there's rigor built into the game. So you don't have to rely on players morals because uh, those will disintegrate quickly when the going gets tough, I think. I think as an ultimate crossover now, I'm going to say it, uh, one of the games I played recently, and you have to have a certain group of people who actually invest in this and think that this is okay. Do you know the game U-Boot? Do you know about this? Uh-uh, no. So U-Boot. Do you know the TV show um, Das Boot? You familiar? No, I'm sorry. It's cool. No, it's fine. Uh, I'm just building up to a point. Das Boot okay. is a fantastic TV show, which I highly recommend you go and watch. It's available on one of the many services you and I both use. Um, and uh, it's basically a World War II German U-boat during the uh, the early parts of the Second World War and what, hmm. they, what they had to do or what they were trying to do. And it's terrifying and quite a harrowing sort of film, but also sort wow. of spoke from it. Whatever side they were on, you know, it, you know, they were doing terrible things, but both sides did, if you like. Uh, but it was really about the people and the crew and what they had to do. And um, so they've done a board game <laughs> called U-Boot, where you have a, a cardboard U-boat with various crew members. And um, uh, each player takes on, on a role of the crew, or a major role, like chief engineer, navigator, cook, uh, <laughs> captain, and uh, um, as first officer as well. And uh, there's an app. This is why I'm bringing it up. Oh. There's an app that comes with it. Mm. So you take your, your app, but you take your, your device, usually a, a, a tablet of some sort, and it uses it, basically use it for the periscope. Think about it. You just mm. lift it up and then you sort of rotate around. The room. <laughs> <laughs> and, ah. and then you sort of swing it around and go, 
Uh, oh, and you actually just see silhouettes on on the screen, like you know, as on this. And then when you see a silhouette of a ship, you actually then match the silhouette to the chart and go, ah, I think it's a X ton sort of um, you know merchant vessel, and always been escorted by you know. And it's terrifying, Teresa. It's terrifying <laughs> wow. because there's depth charges, there's uh, and there's bearings, and there's wonderful moment where the first officer's job is to read out the bearing and the location of where we are and then the navigators just be trying to you know, plot out exactly where all the ships are and it's just and it's brilliant utterly brilliant but it's a pure co-op game of course it is because all the players have to work together but they also have to adhere to what the captain says and i had this mm. wonderful experience where basically the oven exploded and i was playing chief engineer and the oven exploded <laughs> <laughs> back to die. I said, said to, and we were chasing after this merchant fleet. I said, Captain, I think this is a lost cause. We should stop and repair, make repairs. Otherwise, we, you know, the we're gonna have a fire. And he went, yeah. No, no, no. You had bloodlust. Like, no, no. We we're here to take. The, we we've got a mission to do. We have to do this. I'm not okay. going back home until we sink. I said, Seriously, if you do this, I'll be very, very angry. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm and I'm gonna you know petition the first officer to take over kind of thing. It was quite funny. He said, "No, uh-huh. no, no, we're gonna do this." And lo and behold, next turn goes around, and there's a whole like the app tells you what's going on on the boat. You see, as he it gives, there's the random element. It gives you, it feeds you data about what's going on. Uh-huh. So yeah. the, a lot of the complex computational um, simulation modeling is going on in the app, not in front of you. There's mm. no random card pulling and it's no 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 it's all being done on the app. Oh, that's and neat. Then, and then it says um and then lo and behold uh, and then this first was oh dear what the oven's exploded. I don't remember getting up from the table going see <laughs> what did I say and it was on fire it was actually on fire and uh, but he ignored it he said oh you just go in there with a fire extinguisher and I got secondary burns and it was just oh it was just terrible. Uh, but we, we did manage to sink two boats. And it was, he, was, he was proud about that, despite the fact that the boat was on fire. <laughs> so, there is something yeah. There is something when you're playing a co-op game and you feel like you guys, the team, should be doing one thing yeah. and everyone feels that you should be doing another. another. And if they go the other way and it turns out that you were right, there is some... See, I told you. You yes. know, there's some like um, <laughs> not Schadenfreude, but there should be a word for that. Where, yeah, yeah, you know, like probably the, is a German word for, for right. Yeah, considering the satisfaction know, of so, being yeah, right, even yeah. if you're all fail, yeah. failing yeah. together. <laughs> what did I say? There's actually a photo of me pointing at the boat. I'll have to try and send it to you. Like, see, flying <laughs> up. Well, it sounds like they're taking advantage of some really neat features you can get, like you said, with the simulation on the phone. And also, are they using some kind of AR if you said you're using your phone as a periscope and lifting it up and using the accelerometer to... using the accelerometer to view the simulated North Sea. So you actually see the North Sea, but as you rotate your your device around, you're actually looking around the periscope. As you would with a periscope, you'd actually rotate around a pinion, wouldn't you, like a... Uh, okay. So you're actually just rotating it around like that, mm. and um, yeah, and also gives all like um, you get communications, and uh, they're all in code, so you have to decrypt them. <laughs> so, so with the accelerometer, if you yes. don't lift your phone up, yeah. is it not? It doesn't go above the water. I that's mean, right, that yeah. would be. Oh wow, that's yeah. brilliant! So, yeah. But you have to be. No a tele- you have to be a telescope, uh, sort of periscope depth to actually do it. Huh. So it's, oh, all, wow. it's all there. It's all, so wow. extraordinary. And I just think, oh, yeah, you, should, you need to 
for their own professional, uh, at the very least, to say, wow, they really... I mean, there's a lot of app games out there, games that enhance, but this is like uh, a symbiosis, a pure right, symbiosis. Yeah. Like, one doesn't work without the other. That just right. doesn't work. So, Which, you know, can be risky as a developer to to kind of like, you know, board game, if you're making an app and then you're making a board game app, like it's kind of already a niche audience. And then to say, okay, then we're making it for people who want to play (laughs) co-op who are interested in this, like um, also co-op games that involve a phone because there are many board game players who are like, you know, technology, I don't want it right now. I want to be doing like, you know, my fiddly bits and my tokens and and real people and real interactions. Um, So, you know, Props to them, no pun intended, um, for, you know, diving in and, oh God, I keep (laughs) with the puns, Uh, but, you know, like really going creative and making something when it's a, you know, that is a risky, um, a risky market to be tackling and to go really hard at it. That's pretty amazing. And it's quite funny. It's quite common that like uh, the captain would say, um, so where are we? I don't know. Where are we? (laughs) And he'd look to the navigator and goes, he looks and goes, I think we should need to surface. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Why? Because they need to use the sextant to see where we are. We do have to use the sextant to see oh, where we cool. are. And this is like, cool. okay, we're in this grid. Because you don't know. It's just a dark North Sea. Very mm. so. But yes, you're right. It is very risky. Um, but they've discovered an audience, and it was on for sale. At uh, there's loads and loads of copies out there that you can buy. Um, I'm, I'm surprised how non-niche it was so people were actually getting it but you have to have the right group of people who are approaching it with open minds and yeah. realizing that oh wow we're going to die yes you're probably going to die uh, yeah and uh yes an interesting what you say about sort of like technology and i use it for my role-playing game stuff i've got a soundboard and and i also mm. put some music on sometimes just to to, to increase to ratchet up the atmosphere a bit right and it seems to work um yeah but it's not for everyone. I fully admit that. Yeah. Okay. Right. What about video games? You playing any? Or is yeah. Oh my gosh, video games. What have I been playing lately? Um, I've been playing like just buckets of Polytopia, which is this sort of civilization light um, game. I Polytopia. I love it. It's it's fun one. It's a it's like a little strategic um, sort of uh, yeah. Okay. Civ, Civ-like game. Right. Um, it's charming. Yeah. All right. I'll check that one out. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Uh, is that on Windows or is it an iOS thing? I've been playing it on my phone. I'm not sure all the platforms it's on, but it works really well on the phone. Cool. Okay. And I've been trying to just step away from the computer when I'm not sitting at it working because... Yeah, of course. I don't know. I feel like my yeah. face is just glued to my computer sometimes. Yeah. That's why when you and I did the cardboard thing, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It totally. It Although getting you know a computer to the phone is probably not too much of an improvement. <laughs> well, yeah, at least you can get your eyes off away from it for some period anyway. Whereas yeah. video games, I mean, I I played a lot of JRPG over Christmas, and as much as I loved it, I felt like wait, I spent forty hours on that thing. Mm. <sighs> Sobering thought. Anyway, yeah, I, well, I should I should mention one other video game I've been playing. Oh, um, yes. Frostpunk, which is just like this really interesting. It's actually like kind of, I mean, like vaguely similar to uh, Polytopia in that you're, you know, building out. Well, it's 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 actually quite a bit different. It's it's sort of like a sim, um, 
And the really interesting thing about that game is that it offers these like really brutal choices. I mean, you're just in this like, you know, outpost and it's bitter and it's cold and you're starving and you're trying to grow your uh, sort of civilization and you can make all these like disgusting, horrible laws to try to like eke out a little bit more so that you can survive another day. And the thing that really stuck with me on that game wasn't necessarily like the gameplay, but just like I feel like it changed my whole point of view about humanity and sort of like morality and when we make a decision, I mean, this is getting down a rabbit hole, but like when we as a society make a decision about something, um, you know, that idea that, that doing the right thing is more of a privilege, right? Like, um, in this game, you, you might be in a position to have to, uh, enact a law that gets child labor going or maybe add cardboard to the food to like extend the food out because everyone's starving. And of course, nobody wants to do those things, but you'll die if you don't do them. And it, it really just helped me look at world news and, and hear about these things that we might think are really horrible happening, um, around the world, but also think about, well, you know, when, when people don't have the luxury of making these really wonderful decisions, um, that they might have to do some, some things that we might think are ethically atrocious, yeah. In order to survive and thrive and hopefully get some more prosperity going so that they can do things that are um, nicer in the future, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I do have very good things about the game. I need to have a go, but um, there's some, as you say, harrowing sort of aspects to it that uh, does make yeah. me question uh, the uh, human condition, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. On that bright note, <laughs> let us move on to the second half of the show where we delve deep into Shards of Infinity. As you know, Theresa, maybe you can remember, I don't know. But I can't actually, we can't do that until we know what it is. So what is Shards of Infinity? Well, uh, Shards of Infinity is the successor to Ascension, which is a deck-building game. Um, Many of you have maybe played Ascension before. And uh, the the big difference with Shards is that uh, in this game, it's a last-player standing type of deck-builder where you have an attack 
uh, sort of currency, your power, and you can use that to eliminate opponents. And um, you can either uh, sort of destroy them or you can destroy these things they have called champions, which are sort of cards that instead of going and play into their into their deck, like the normal deck builder sort of cycle, they can play those and they're kind of permanents and they they stay out but they have engine building effects. So, um, so you might determine that, um, a player is, uh, low on health and you decide to use your power to attack, attack them directly, or you might uh, say, okay, their engine is getting too strong. Let me attack their, or whittle away at their engine. And, um, it's sort of like a cyberpunk, style of game and oh the other really interesting mechanic that it introduces to the deck builder genre is it has this concept of mercenary so a lot of deck builders have a a a row of cards where you can purchase a new card from this you know common common area into your deck um and there's a delay kind of built into that you know you 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 play some cards acquire some currency buy a card and then that card is going to get um, discarded. And then eventually you're going to shuffle your deck and maybe draw that card that you bought. So even though you might've bought something really powerful that you save up for, it might be several turns before you see it again in shards of infinity with the mercenary mechanic, you can actually, um, choose with some of the cards to play them immediately out of the center row. Um, rather than having them go into your deck, which changes things quite a bit. It changes the strategy so that um, you're thinking about, you know, whether it's early game or late game, um, if if this is something that you can one shot to win the game or one shot to take another player out, it might be worth doing that rather than strengthening your deck. Um, yeah, and it, it goes two to four players. And um, basically, if you can knock everyone else out, you're the winner. And um, it's something that we've made an app out of. Yes, have indeed. Hence you being on the show, because mm-hmm. um, you, you offered a, a you know we we speak on, on Twitter and stuff. And oh, made a new game. Ah, mm-hmm. not heard of this one because um, I don't know, it's just flew under my radar, so to speak. So I, I dived into it, and it's it's a it's really um, it's the it's it's very easy to see what's going on and see what the patterns are and what engines you can build to actually create an effective defense against the assault that's uh, laid against you uh, whilst trying to attack others. Uh, it's quite, um, yeah, I mean, there's a, lot, there's a lot to keep track of, but it's not overwhelming, which is quite impressive. Um, that's a credit to the, design, the designers of the original game and, of course, what you've made here with Templegate Games. But um, I'll ask you the first question, and this is quite a broad I kept on rethinking it and rewording it, and every time I did, it became diluted. So let's just go back to the original question. What do you believe, what aspects of the medium of video games, which is ultimately what you're using, have you exploited in the execution of creating a digital version of Sides of Infinity? What do you believe you've lent into that actually makes the experience a little bit different? Um, That's a good question. So... um. With board games and digital board games, there are, you know, different kind of things happening in either genre that you can take advantage of and push on. Um, And there are certain board games that are going to take advantage of the digital affordances a little bit better. So Shards of Infinity 
is this game that has um, kind of already a great setup to take advantage of these things that you can get away with digitally. Um, You know, digitally, you can do things like um, automatically set up the game for everyone so that they don't have to like set out all the cards one by one. Now, Shards of Infinity is not a, a huge game, so setup is probably not going to take a lot of time. But I think the game is very expandable, and my expectation is that the designers, uh, Justin Gary and Gary Arant with Stoneblade Entertainment, who did the original, are going to be expanding the game quite a bit like they did with Ascension. And if you're a player who plays a lot of board games that have a lot of expansions, you're probably used to this, like, at some point you know, with the fifth and the sixth and the 12th expansion, you're getting a lot of boxes out and you're you're spending a lot of time just like physically setting the game up. So I think digitally um, having having an app that sort of uh, just kind of does all that for you and it's really just like a matter of clicking a checkbox or not on whether you want to include an expansion is something that we're trying to, trying to like take advantage of and focus on. Um, and besides setup also sort of as you're playing the game um in a game like um ascension or shards you you can be accumulating currency that you sort of have to keep track of in your head um you know let's say you've played a lot of cards and your engine is really robust it's the end of the game you have lots of cards happening you might have acquired you know 30 money or you know 50 odd attack and managing those numbers in your head can like if you lose track of it it can be really frustrating so on the app side we try to just do all of that for you so that you can focus on the strategy and not so much the sort of accounting aspect of it and we do that simply by just you know showing you the numbers and having having them tick up as you play a card that gives you one currency you can just sort of see it see it go do you struggle a bit in any way with the uh randomization of stuff knowing how computers do random different to physical things do you ever struggle with that or is it okay um that's interesting the randomization hmm is it something well, that anyone comments on like wait you know you got a deck of cards you sh- you are shuffling them in inverted commas now shuffling them in in real world what i do is end up going I'm going to have to imagine the gathering shuffle these. What? Uh, you lay them out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah, right. You have to do the careful random plot. Like, well, I'm just, I have to shuffle these thoroughly because uh, you, know, you get sets of cards in this game and you don't want a whole row of droids like, oh, great. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is, like, that is a really interesting problem for you know, computer pro- programming in general is how, mm. how to get something truly random. Um, yeah. But, you know, Fortunately, we don't really have to reinvent the wheel on that um, if we're, we write our games in C++ and there are libraries and we can just, you know, use like math.random <laughs> and it generates it generates a random variable that we can apply to our shuffle algorithm um, that is just going to make sure that it's really random. And a lot of times um, something like that can use something like um, rather than sort of intrinsically generating the random number on its own, um, you can pull a variable like from the computer's clock or something like that to introduce a little bit of a different, um, uh, just something external to the equation itself. And that's how it can come up with a random number. Um, you can do that with like, you know, where's your mouse cursor out on the screen that that's based on the human sort of like input 
being a, a contributing factor to the random um, the randomness. Nice. Yeah. yeah. That's neat. Um, and going back to your point about you know having loads of expansions, speaking to someone who owns Ascension and a few expansions. That's a, that's a lie. Many. And it's, <laughs> it's and there's another game called Sentinels of the Multiverse. Uh-huh. Um, that game's ridiculous for expansions to the point where uh-huh. they released a box with a new expansion, and the box is um, very, very large and probably life-threateningly heavy. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, um, so it's actually an epic sort of quest to actually, when you're, so do you want to give me this? Like, oh, please, I can't try. Oh, Gloomhaven, that's too heavy to transport anywhere. Trust me, yeah. this is too heavy. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's like a tipping point where you like you love a board game and you buy all the expansions. At some point, you have so many expansions that it's like physically too difficult to play the game, and then like you kind of stop playing it quite as much. And and it's so sad because you love it so much. Clearly, you've bought all these expansions, but it seems to be inevitable. So, um, it seems like apps are sort of like a little way to get around that sometimes. Arkham Horror is the first example I can think of. That mm-hmm. has that, 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 that's a game. The original, second edition has a vast array, vast array of expansions that is now infamous for being ridiculous. So, mm-hmm. um, okay, well, that's an excellent response to that, that question. Yeah. Is a uh, something and, maybe to ponder further? But uh, yeah, and I can talk about more features on the digital side um, if you if you would like. Um, um, sure, let's just delve a little bit more because um, I might be sort of uh, repeating what we're going to say. But yeah, go for it. What what else have you done to make it different or exploit the fact that you're playing it on a digital sort of platform? Um, One of my absolute favorite uh, things that um, you can do digitally is um, you can sort of pop up uh, rules in real time. So you have this thing when you play a board game. I think everyone is sort of like prepared when they play a new board game to sit there for like 45 minutes and like listen to someone explain the rules and hopefully they catch it all and then they go. Uh, And with digital board games, you do have an opportunity to um, sort of figure out the rules, but you don't have to necessarily have that same burden of understanding everything up front because in in the digital world, you can, um, you can offer players a way to sort of like always expand something to see more information. Um, like we have, um, in race for the galaxy, you can always right click on a card and all the symbols, the plain text version of them pops up right next to it. Mm. Uh, which just means you don't have to do quite so much memorization sort of front loaded into your play experience. And, um, and we sort of like have been trying to do more and more of that. Um, it's something like I, I play a lot of Magic the Gathering and I noticed that on some cards you can literally have the same the same card but two different versions of it and one of the cards will have an explanation of a keyword and the other card won't have that explanation. Instead, maybe they'll have some more flavor text and it seems like this is a problem you have in the physical world where there's just literally a finite amount of space and you have to make that call. Are we going to explain this keyword, or have we explained it probably enough on other cards in this set that we can um, we can sort of like indulge in that flavor text there? And and they have to make the call, and they they just print print it different versions. Digitally, you just don't have to make the call. You could do the flavor text if you want to with uh, sort of like input mechanics such as right click to see the expanded version of a keyword um, definition. Yeah. Um, 
So that's this really neat way to sort of like onboard players who are not necessarily as um, comfortable with a complex game. Um, you can say, hey, look, don't worry about it. You can always find out more and you don't have to ask a question. I think sometimes when you're playing a board game and you don't remember something that someone said in that 45 minute long explanation, it can there's a almost like a social penalty to interrupting the group and asking a question and people might feel like they look dumb. It's nice in a board game that's digitized where you can just do that at your own pace as much as you need to until you're familiar enough with the game where you don't need to access it anymore. And you can sort of self-pace that yourself. It also eases the burden of the, the person who's teaching the game. Believe me, I've yes. been that person. And uh, yeah. uh, my group of friends have a adjective to describe when uh, I'm playing a game or playing, uh, making a, a move in a game and I do a thing. And they go, wait, I didn't know you could do that. No. Oh, yeah, you can. <laughs> Are we being Chris? Yeah, you, you, you're being, you're being <laughs> So it's basically a phenomenon where I fail to tell them a fairly important rule, and then mm-hmm. you know because I was got sidetracked or the information dump, and uh, yeah, every time I'm teaching the game, they're all sitting there going, "I wonder which bit of this game is going <laughs> to." Well, even if you do tell them everything, I have played so many games where if I'm teaching the game, someone will be. You know, they'll lose at the end based yeah. on one little thing. And they'll say, you never said that. And I know yes. I said it. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's like I don't want to argue with you. Like, if that's what you want to blame this on, that's, that's, that's fine. If you can't take ownership of your <laughs> stuff, you know, you're just fine. So this <laughs> yeah. last question is related to what we've been talking about. But I think it's very important. It sort of talks about, you know, in our virtual green room before we start recording is that um, talking about reviewing of cards in in one's hand and in the tableau, which you can use to buy your your cards from. Because that's how deck builders work, everyone. You have a set of cards, they have currency on them. Some have one set of currency, like Dominion, and other games like Ascension have multiple, or in Clank you have multiples. Um, And uh, you can then buy, inverted commas, and add these cards to your deck, or maybe your... Uh, to your discard pile, typically, although in some weird instances you can actually grab them immediately. In fact, in in Sons of Infinity, there is an ability to grab a card and use it uh, immediately, although it has there's consequences to that action. Anyway, my point is that reading a card and digesting it and reading it is crucial to Sons of Infinity or any other deck builder. How do you believe you replicate this and, in, and give it prominence and the prominence it deserves in the digital version of Sides of Infinity? Well, that's a tough one because uh, if we're delivering, most of our players are playing on the phone and there is extremely limited screen real estate on the phone. Um, so, you know, having the text for all the cards to be prominent so everyone can make that that critical decision, especially when they're a new player and they haven't memorized all of the different um, sort of functionalities of each card is a really tough thing to do. Um, And what we've done is we kind of have uh, a couple of ways we've come at this. We have versions of the card that you'll see in the game that have basically nothing but the title and artwork. And we use those in instances where we don't have a lot of space um, to expand things out. And we do kind of rely on player memorization of what the artwork represents sort of um, mechanically 
in the game. But at the same time, you can always sort of like expand that card out to see the fuller version with with more text on it. Um, and we did actually have um, uh, a feature that we implemented that was uh, an idea by Tim Schaefer of Double Fine, who said on my phone, this is just too small of text. Um, so we, we introduced a jumbo mode so that we really like jack up the size of the text so that players can see it. And it, it ends up eating into the screen real estate a little bit of the artwork. Um, but it makes the text like five times bigger. Mm. So hopefully that helps. But you know, at the end of the day, it is, it is hard to read, um, a lot of small text on the phone. So we're also available on the iPad for players who are just, um, not wanting that kind of eye strain. Yeah. Right, so I've only <laughs> played on the iPad. Um, well, a little bit on the phone, but principally on the iPad. I just thought, well, I've got it on the iPad, it'll be easier to experience. But uh, no, it's, it, you did a good job. I just wanted to bring that out and, and explain to everyone that it's not quite the same as holding a card kind of, uh, in your hands, but it's very close. Very, very close. Um, there are also resources you need to keep track of, which you mentioned a little bit earlier, but uh, computers are easy to track numbers because that's all they are, a series of switches that track numbers. Um, but um, how do you believe you advertising this to the player that they've got X amount of health and they've got X amount of you know, crystals, etc.? Um, there's three, isn't there? But um, yeah, tell us about how you designed that and what what sort of processes did you go and undergo to to have it the size and location where it is yeah um so i play i play a ton of digital board games i really like them Mm. um and so people have already solved a lot of this um in a really smart ways some of the some of the ones that i've drawn a lot of inspiration from are lords of Waterdeep and agricola in terms of um, gaining resources and tracking your resources. I think they both did a, a pretty polished job on that. And what they did and what we've done as well is literally show an animation of, let's say you earn um, a resource like a money uh, on your turn by playing a card. We literally animate you know, a, a money token from the card to your personal pool so you can visually see the representation the relationship between playing the card and accumulating the resource. And it's actually a really difficult process um, because what happens as you're playing the game is that you're playing it multiplayer. It's at minimum a two player game and you're playing hundreds of cards and your opponents playing cards and resources are kind of going everywhere. So if you do just have a resource animate from the card that you play to your pool, if you trigger that every single time something happens, it just looks like this sort of <laughs> school of fish, all the stuff just moving across the screen all the time. So as a UI designer, one thing that we have to do is also think about like the cadence and the pacing of how to animate this in a way that is digestible to the user. So they really do... The whole point of it is just to like illustrate the relationship between what they did and the effect it had on the game so that they understand clearly what's going on. So what we have done is basically started, we started out by animating every single thing that happened by the onesie. And when you give everything equal priority, it's 
hard to parse and it's also sort of boring to watch. So internally under the hood, what the game has is a series of locking attention tokens. So we'll assign priority to something that's animating across the screen based on how important we sort of like object, uh, subjectively decided it was as designers. We say, okay, let's say someone's doing a takeover in race for the galaxy. That's a big moment. Or on the other side of it, let's say you played like something uh, like a militia that gained only one power. What's a really like uh, sort of like small moment. We can tune the amount of time that animation takes and whether it's the only thing happening on the screen or whether we allow other things to be happening at the same time so that the really big, exciting moments um, kind of grab that um, attention token and lock it and um, other big, exciting moments will queue up behind it. So it's a matter basically of sort of like orchestrating this timing thing and also this animation thing. So that's how we did it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's spot on because I found it was really well done. Um, as someone who wasn't familiar with the game, but familiar with the genre, I was quite happy about how much prominence you gave it. Because <clears throat> one of the great things about Ascension when you're playing it analog um, is you have these crystals, actual crystals that you keep on like, you know, oh, I know I've got a gold this and that. Yes, I know where I am. Whereas in a video game, you just like you just got a number. But it's difficult uh, to yeah. you know to relate that to you know you know where you how you accrued the things in the audio in, in the analog game, not so much with the video game because it's just a number. Whereas you've actually said, well, we're triggering this, and then we have all these things like a flock of seagulls <laughs> going going mm-hmm. into the number. Go, See, that's how you got that. <laughs> now, now you yeah. understand. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and we really do benefit from like you know shards of infinity is so similar to Ascension. You know, they just changed some core mechanics, but it does draw from a lot of the same sort of um, basics. And since there already is an Ascension app and we play it, we love it, you know, we can say, like, here's the things we love about it. Here's the things that we 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 would do ourselves. And so when we, when we attack the app ourselves, we just were like, well, let's do these things. We would have liked them. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's the, you say this is the same. It's not. I think there's some... Um key differences like being able to play a card when you get it uh, mm-hmm. that's very odd um but then again you know it does cost you uh and then you know the fact that you have that third sort of charging ability where you get these you know these, these shards and oh yes you know, the mastery the mastery where it gets oh you know you can actually trigger his thing like so, hey i've just won all of the things because i you let me do that see so yeah no. Right, the mastery <laughs> kind of acts like a ticking time bomb a it little does. bit. Yeah, it's yeah. it's this alternative win condition kind of where you can level up mastery and that will level up your cards and yeah. uh, your cards get more powerful, which is kind of a neat thing rather than having to solely rely on trashing to sort of in- increase the strength of your deck and yeah. focus on the powerful cards. You can focus on leveling up yeah. and if you... If you let a player level up too much, they you win. basically are taking too long, and they can just instant win with their yeah. uh, shard of infinity, which shard requires infinity. thirty mastery. It does. And once you get wait, have you got twenty nine? Yeah. <laughs> wait, how'd that happen? Well. Yeah, that's a stressful moment yeah. when you see someone sneaking up on that twenty nine. <laughs> yeah. And then there's a card that can uh, sort of reduce a player's mastery, and you're like, oh gosh, who's got that card? We got to play yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah. 
someone, you know, beat the leader. Go and beat the leader. Anyway, so the key sort of uh, appeal to the deck builders, which as was uh, founded in uh, Dominion and then mm-hmm. refined in other games, like Clank and like um, Ascension, we've already mentioned. There's a few others, I suspect, but they're the only ones that immediately spring to mind. You could argue... Um, with um, terraforming Mars, but it's borderline. <laughs> but um, is terraforming um, Mars a deck builder? I mean, yeah. I definitely call it an engine builder. Yeah, but you're then building the engine with, with cards on it. So you, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You never. But you're not cycling. Turn. Isn't isn't sort of a part of a deck builder that you're cycling through your true? But the your fact deck? is, your your I think. Yeah, true, but my point is that you actually are building a deck. Okay. So there you go. But I take your point, you don't discard anything. Well, you can, but it's a bit inoffensive. Anyway, what I'm trying to get to the point is with deck builders, like Shards of Infinity, uh, the concept is pretty easy to learn, isn't it? Pretty easy to learn, uh, but very, very hard to master. Mm -hmm. How do you believe you explain this to the player over and above than playing the game in the first place. What do you think? What do you, how how have you been found? Have you found developing the tutorial? Is basically this question is about, but focusing on the fact that well, you've here's the basic mechanics, but there's there's layers. <laughs> well, you know, with the tutorial, that's funny. We could add a we could add a whole another stage in the tutorial right now. Um, it's broken up into five. I think it's five different like mechanical introductions. Here's mm. here's here's your money. Here's your attack. Yeah. Here's trashing things like this. <laughs> we could just add a whole another one. That says you know sign here, check that you understand that there are layers to this game. Yeah. But I mean, hopefully people just figure that out at play as they play. I think that's I think that's the magic of a good board game that that you don't have to tell people they'll, they'll know it from word of mouth. First of all, they'll know because their friends are playing it. Um, and because it exists and it's continuing to be developed, that it's a game that's, that's got layers and it's worth mastering. And, you know, I think the game, I think the game honestly does speak for itself. I think once you play it, you get a sense of like, Oh, that's what I would do differently next time. And there's some interesting sort of synergies between the factions. And I think there's also that, great space you can see it expanded to that just makes so much sense for um even more depth and even more content that i think hopefully just speaks for itself to the players yeah agreed um i think you're you're absolutely spot on with that it's um the game does speak for itself in many many aspects and uh um it's just uh rather than actually laying it out telling them Telling people how they can optimize a deck or optimize a move, um, which is much as you want to do that, it's much more rewarding for them to discover themselves. You know. Yeah, and yeah, that's a it's a really hard thing to sort of judge when you're designing a tutorial. How much are you going to handhold them through some basic, sort of like tactical, um, general best practices, you know, trashing your weakest cards, you know, that's something you could just let them figure out on their own. Um, and you have to make that decision with a lot of things. And uh, I think that's really hard as, as a designer, or even as someone who's teaching a game to someone else. And I think I tend to err on the side of just the facts, ma'am, kind of explaining the literal mechanics. So they have the joy to discover why things are interesting on their own. Yeah. Joy of discovery. 
Well, Souls of Infinity by Templegate Games is out now. Uh, it's on Windows, PC, iOS, and anything else, or is that it? Um, that's that's it. Yeah, yeah, Windows, PC, and iOS. I've played both versions, principally on the uh, tablet, but also uh, on the, on the PC with a vast screen. You can throw it up and all sorts of things. Um, but um, yeah, it's a fantastic incarnation of a really fun deck building game, which I was unaware of until now. Well, until I started <laughs> playing it on the digital platform. Um, obviously, <laughs> you know, I've been spending too much time playing ridiculous games like Twilight Imperium. I don't know, maybe. Um, but no, Teresa's been great having you on for the third time. Yeah, thanks for giving me a chance to chat with you about yeah. board games. Yeah, it's been great. Um, it's, we've had a bit of a rush of um, return guests. We've had Inkle on. They've been on again for the second time. And um, we've also had the um, Yam Yam Games, who did uh, Astrologaster. And uh, here you are uh, with Charles of Infinity. So it's been it's lovely having this. It makes sense because the show's been going for uh, it'll be six years this November. So wow, uh, you know people are like, oh, I've made a new game now. Oh, right, want to come back on? Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so maybe in another year or two, hopefully. Another year. Keep- Keep making more games. <laughs> we can roll for the galaxy and talk about that. Yes. It'd be great. Yeah, that's true. So it's not far away. I understand. So uh, no, beta's um, coming soon. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. In the meantime, thanks very much, Teresa. Thank you.